Welcome along to the latest edition of the 98 No Out podcast. Today we're talking white ball, red ball, yellow, green, brown, blue, pink and black. Yes, we have gone snooker loopy on 98 No Out with Neil Folds. Hello, Neil. Welcome to 98 and Out. Wonderful to have you join us. Um, and you are speaking to us live and direct from the Barbican in York, I believe. That's correct. Yeah, the UK Championship is on. I'm working for Eurosport on this. Um, and we're just getting to the business end now with uh, the semi-finals t- tomorrow, the final Sunday. I've been up here a week. Um, we're right in the, the heart of the snooker season now. You know, the nights are drawing in and all of that sort of stuff. So it's snooker weather, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Memories of watching you on the telly with me, <laughs> dear old mum, and uh, you know mugs of hot chocolate and, and all that kind of stuff. Like you say, yeah, it is the season and takes us through to yeah. uh, Easter when the worlds come up. But this is quite a tournament so far. We're speaking on Friday night after the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. Amazing. Top six seeds are out. What's amazing, amazing about sport is that um, you, you think you know the plot with, with things. And it's like when you watch a film, you think, well, I think I know this is going to end. It's going to be this wonderful, good time, good feel, feel good stuff. But in snooker, you don't know the, the story. I mean, I mean, Ronnie O'Sullivan, who won this age 17, he's completely dominant in the sport right now. He's world champion, world number one. He's won the last two huge events. But he's been whitewashed today. And in yeah. he's, he's not lost, but he's not lost by whitewashing in a triple crown event ever before. So, and no one thought he was going to lose to Ding, albeit Ding has beaten him a little bit over the past. But there you are. He lost. Ronnie lost six 0 Ding Jun Wei is back from almost of the wilderness, and that's why we love sport because we don't know the, the storyline. And it gives an opening to a lot of the lesser um, seeded players now. Will be fancying their chances of uh, of raising um, the trophy. Well, I mean, there's only a couple of players in this event still who have actually been UK champion. I mean, Ding himself has won it three times, but you, you've got to go back just to know that to happen because he's been, as I say, since before lockdown, he's been. It's been really quiet, you know. He, he's been uh, it, it, probably in a part of the world he didn't want to be at the time. He wasn't with his family in China. He was over here, and he, I think, he didn't think he want to be here during that period. His snooker suffered. Now he's got more freedom. Now he's playing well. And, and Sean Murphy, as I as I speak to you, is still in the event. He's won it before. Other than that, we're going to get a new UK champion, and that opens up the doors for lots of, of new and up and coming players. Yeah, that was an incredible game yesterday against Judd Trump. Um, yeah. Murphy looked out of it at one stage, but what a comeback. Well, I mean, before the game, this is where snooker is. Look, snooker is a sport, yes, we know that, but it's not a sport in the... Uh, he could hardly walk that morning. I saw him and he was... His neck, he couldn't move his neck. He was... He, he could hardly bend over the table to play a shot, but then he, he seemed to make a century straight away. And then he finished off with two centuries and he won his match. So, like... You couldn't you couldn't come in off of off thirty yards bowling fast doing that could you at cricket but uh, you know he um he, he ended up he ended up I think he, he forgot about his bad uh, neck and back and all that and just uh, he was back to normal really the adrenaline kicked in and he played well he played brilliantly actually. Now you mentioned cricket obviously you're well known for uh, your exploits uh, on the snooker table and uh, on the microphone commentating these days but um, you are a massive cricket lover hence your appearance on uh, on this podcast so um just tell us about uh, how you got into cricket and um uh, and then maybe let's talk about the passing of uh, mm. the late great um, david english well i've always enjoyed cricket i mean i i think with snooker i think it's such a winter sport that come may through the summer i often didn't didn't play any 
snooker was certainly not very much. Not, there was no big tournaments, and from a very young kid, I completely loved cricket. I mean, I always followed it. But 1977, I would have been 14 years of age when the the Ashes were on. England were were, were losing to Australia, and after the, after the first two Test matches, they recalled Jeff Boycott and my dad, who also. Uh, followed cricket. He was a snooker player as well, by the way, but he said to me, he's a great batsman. You know, when he comes back, it's going to be great. He's fallen out with everybody. Um, and that, that I was hooked on the game that summer. When he came back, made all those runs, he made a, a century on his reappearance from the wilderness. Amazing. And he also made another century. I realised what England had missed then. And, and I was only 14, but, you know, I loved watching the game. I loved, I mean, I haven't, I, I can't imagine I've missed half a day of any home test match ever since, you know, unless I'm doing something that I literally cannot be watching it or listen to it on TMS. You know, I've always watched cricket. And I mean, the Ashes winters, not only because we've lost, I haven't stayed up all night very often because the hours are very unfriendly. And I think 2011, I might have stayed up and watched when we beat the Aussies. But <laughs> cricket's been in my blood for, for, for all those years. And I, I've followed it so closely. I mean, I just love the game, you know, so much. I grew up in West London. Um, I used to go to Lords just to watch county games and everything as a kid. You know, I really got into it. Complete nerd. Um, and I, I'm, you know, in recent years, I've sort of, even though I'm a Middlesex fan, I've got a lot of friends who are Surrey fans. And whenever possible, I should go. I'd go to the Oval, watch county cricket, Test cricket, the lot, as well as being at Lords, which is just my favourite stadium in in the world. It's just to me, it's great. I know the tickets are a bit expensive now to go cricket, but at Lords, but um. You know, I love the place. So, um, born, born and bred in West London, Perryvale and Ealing. And, um, you know, uh, QPR and my football team. As a kid, when I grew up, I grew up in in, in Southall, in um, a comprehensive in Southall. And um, you had two, I mean, unless you wanted to be a Leeds fan, who were great at that time in the 70s, or you wanted to be a United fan. In football, it was either QPR Brentford really they were the two options if you were a local boy and at the time Brentford were not really a side you would follow necessarily um, so QPR have always been my football team but I, I don't go and see them play but they've always been my side you know yeah. and, and as, going back to cricket you know I um, you know, I, I spent so many wonderful days at Lords it's, it's unbelievable I, I, my biggest one of my biggest regrets ever was many many years ago I had a chance to try and become an MCC member I could be one of those people in the in the pavilion who maybe not not everyone likes and uh, and there was a 25 year waiting list and I knew John Embury and um, and he said I can get you forwarded and I can get you in and wait 25 years and for some reason I didn't do that I just thought well that's 25 years seems a long way to me I've never joined the list and that's 35 years ago now I mean I'd have been in there with all the rest of them now probably moaning and groaning and, and all of that stuff I'd have been an MCC member but I never took anyone up on that. You should have done. You should have done. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? When um, whoever I talk to on this program, um, and we've had some of the greatest names in the game, um, yeah, players, journalists, commentators, without exception, they all say that their favourite ground is Lords. Um, and, yeah. and I, you know, you listen to players, um, and I, I get very sort of jealous to to think of these guys that come down those famous steps and stride out um and and just yeah just to hear how much it means to them is is always very special so i'm not surprised to hear you sort of uh yeah. say as well what uh what a great place lords is it, it really is very Completely. very special Completely. so we had the, the sad news of uh of uh the loon mr david english yeah. um, passing away um last yeah. week and I, I gather you've got some very fond memories of uh of the great man 
Absolutely. Well, I, I've always played cricket for just a Sunday side um, it, it, over in Surrey. And, um, you know, I've always been one of these open the batting all leg side. I didn't have any shots on the offside very much. And, you know, I never played a cover drive, but I played plenty of pull shots and stuff like that. You know, I was not, not very good, basically, but <laughs> I had my moments at a very, very moderate level. Um, and I got to play in a charity game at Uxbridge. Uh, strangely enough, Dennis Lilly, of all people, was in that game. Um, and it was to do with Paul Downton, the uh, the uh, former England wicketkeeper. Um, it was his it was his benefit it was a benefit game for him. And I met David English for the first time in in the um, pavilion. He said to me, oh, "You're going to start playing for the Bumbers." All this, and I thought, "Well, this guy's really outgoing. You know, is he for real?" And then, of course, over the next fifteen twenty years, I got I got to play cricket in all of his you know his Bumbery games. A great fixture list. You know, played playing at the Oval, Old Trafford, Trent Bridge. But more for me. Because I am such a fan, I, I was so lucky to play cricket against some of the all-time greats, you know, un, un, under the sort of guise of being a snooker player, um, you know, who I, the best of my snooker was world number three. And that's been, you know, a tag they've used all these years. But for me, it was just great to to play with all these guys. I mean, I can remember I met I met David um, at this charity game with uh, in Uxbridge. And, uh, he, you know, there were so many great memories of um, of playing with him, but as I say, I ended up playing in a in a charity match early on with where putting the batting with Bill Wyman uh, of the Rolling Stones of all people, and uh, and and Viv Richards was batting three in this game. And there's no <laughs> way in the world I wasn't going to be. Uh, uh, there's no way in the world I was going to let get out before Bill because I wanted to bat with Viv, and I run managed to run Bill Wyman out and um, <laughs> batted with Viv. We put on a hundred, of which I made seventeen, and Viv was just. An incredible, an incredible man as well. I mean, it was just a joy to be, to be on the same cricket field. You know, it meant the world to me. It was one of my great sporting memories of my whole life. And that was all through David. You know, all of the years, all of the people I met. I played with you know, Joel Garner and uh, people like um, Robin Smith, Alan Lamb, Michael Holding, a, a massive Brian Lara. You know, all these people because because of David. You know, who was. The most wonderful character, you know. Uh, you meet people in life, I would say, that leave a real impact on you. I think in snooker now, I can name someone. I can name Jimmy White, who is a complete one-off. You know, yeah. to be around him is a great joy. There's, there's stories galore. And I would say David was the same. You know, they broke the mould. There was nobody like him. And if you didn't know him, you were very unlucky because he was, he was a great speaker, great comedian, great joker. Never took himself seriously, but and he managed to phone you up at sort of eight o'clock in the morning on a Thursday or a Friday and say, you're playing over on Sunday. We've got everybody there, you know, and he'd name all these names. Some of them wouldn't turn up, but a lot of them would. And it was just, it was, it was just a, this manner from heaven for me. Yeah, I think it was a, a, a true mark of respect that um, when England uh, played in the World Cup final on yeah. Sunday, they were wearing black armbands. And I think, if people don't really understand the impact that David English had on the game over the last 30, 40 years, um, that should tell you everything. Um, because as yeah. you say, I mean, he he brought through, I think, was there a stat I read about pretty much every single member of the England team um, over the last sort of two or three years certainly has come through the Bunbury scheme and, uh, and, and, and been propelled by him? Yeah, I mean, Joffrey Archer was exceptional because we know that he he came to to, to English cricket through sort of, sort of from a different channel, didn't he? You know, in in other words, he grown grown up in the West Indies. But I think he said that over the last few years, almost everybody, you know, the likes of Joss Butler, he was very 
very praiseworthy because of the Bunbury setup. Um, I mean, I saw, uh, I played in a game with Paul, uh, with, um, let me just think of it, Michael Carberry, um, who of course played for England, when he was one of these junior players, you know, uh, one of these junior cricketers from the Bunbury Festival. And you saw, I saw his career from at the age of about 14, 15, brilliant left-hander at the time. So a lot of those people sort of were, were allowed to flourish, go up through the grades, played cricket for England, and every one of them has got good words to say about David. Yeah, it's incredible. And the amount of money that he raised as well. Um, I mean, it, I often used to come across him at sort yeah. of uh, big charity dinners, and he was always leading, you know, in, in the auctions for whether it was signed bats or whatever else. Um, uh, he was always leading the charge and would, would invariably donate the money and then ask them to re-auction whatever item it was that he'd bid on. Very persuasive man. A very persuasive man. You know, he had a way with words. You know, he could he could uh, persuade you to be somewhere, even if he had something on you. You must come along Sunday. And I'd say, well, I can't. I've got, you know, I've got an old elderly relative I've got to visit. Bring him along, he would say. Bring him along. It would be <laughs> tremendous. You know, so that's what you did. Um, that's yeah. what he was like. But, um, very charismatic man, taken too young, unfortunately. And uh, until very recently, you know, I think very recently his health was good. He just, it was all quite sudden the way things ended for him. But, uh, but you'd hear him interviewed uh, on a TMS a couple of times story after story that were brilliant, you know, and of course he's got such a history of, you know, managing the, the BGs and playing <laughs> a dead German in a war film and all this sort of stuff. Everything <laughs> that he said was, was hilarious, but um, a, a quite a good cricketer, you know, I don't know if you ever saw him play cricket, but he's on the MCC ground staff, left-hander. Oh, I yeah. remember once he, I batted with him and he kept hitting a spinner over his head for six. I said, you're taking a risk. He goes, Foldsy, one thing in life I've, I've learned to do is, he said, you must enjoy the, the moment. And it, and I would have got home tonight regretting not doing that. And he, he you know, it just to, to sort of whack a, a half-decent spinner over his head for six, that was his idea of, of living life to the full. And uh, and and that's what he was all about, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a friend in snooker, Tony Mio, I'm trying to contact the former guy who was part of the matchroom team who used to play for the Bunburys too. And he was a really good cricketer, Tony. And, uh, you know, he's now found out that poor old David's gone and uh, he left a little great impact on his life. He's a great friend of Jimmy White, so I'm gonna, I've been contacting him through that. And, uh, yeah, there were so many stories. I mean, it wasn't only cricketers because he got other players along. I mean, my son, when he was a kid, came to a Bunbury game and he's kicking a football around with Ian Wright, you know, and <laughs> went back to school the next day and said, I've been playing football with Ian Wright. And they said, you know, you can't tell all these lies. He goes, no. He said, I've been playing football with Ian Wright. Because he was at there. David had lured him along, who was also a good cricketer, by the way, Ian Wright. Yeah, as were many of the footballers. And, um, you know, he, what a great guy, by the way, Ian Wright is. So he was so nice to my son, all the kids. He understood that for him to kick a football around for half an hour, you know, outside the pavilion of a, of a cricket ground, meant a lot to the youngsters. And uh, he brought all these different worlds together, you know, actors, all kinds of people, you know. I I, I um, played with Leslie Grantham um, of EastEnders fame, who's no longer with us as well, you know. And, you know, you just couldn't help it, but you'd call him Den. Two runs in, <laughs> Den, he goes, sorry, that's not my name. He said, don't worry, I've been called a lot worse than that. You know, he was it was the kind of thing where all these worlds collided and, and I had the time of my life with all that. And it was all down to David. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I I went to a few of them, and uh, and and when we had him on the show, um, some of the stories. I mean, you almost think no, it, that can't be true. But 
if you know David, it is true. He's not the sort of it's just a life he led and the company he kept was just just incredible. It was. I can remember especially one day we were playing against Stanford Cricket Club in a, a charity game against their, their their village side and we were batting second and David said, We've got Ian Bishop coming along later. He's gonna be running a bit late. So we thought, yeah, it's another one of balloon <laughs> stories. Ian Bishop's definitely not coming along. Anyway, about an hour into the game, they're about eighty for one, they're two openers. And, and, and made runs and the number three was getting a few and um, all of a sudden a big car pulled up like a, a limousine and Ian Bishop got out and I don't think he understood quite the nature of the game because he came on straight onto bowl off a, a long run we were he had nine slips and a wicket keeper and someone down at fine leg and he just bowled this side out in about 15-20 minutes you know and <laughs> I just couldn't believe it to, to this day I can't believe that Ian Bishop turned up seemingly oblivious to the fact that he wasn't playing in a test match and just ripped through this side and it was just brilliant you know uh, I mean I was standing in a second slip praying the ball wouldn't come to me quite honestly because he'd probably take the hand off but that yeah. was that was what it was like playing for the Bumbers you never quite knew what was going to come next uh, and uh, you know he was as I say he managed to get players I played with Carl Hooper and um, Roger Harper gave me a, a yeah. clinic in how to, to, to bowl spin and and to field in the covers and all that. And I also played with you know, Brian Close, all these guys, you know, it's, it's, amazing, it's an amazing experience for someone like me who, who is a snooker player by, by professional, had been. Um, but now I'm in this world that I've always dreamed about being in, you know. Do you think there's sort of parallels between playing snooker and, and, and I'd say Red Bull cricket, that... <laughs> uh, the tactics, the concentration, the patience required—is—is is there a similar skill set? Well, possibly, but Barry Hearn, who was my manager then, told me I was not allowed to play cricket because you know if you break a finger, then that's you out for two months. But I still played, and he never, most of the time, didn't know I was playing in these games, so I had to keep it a little bit hush hush. Nothing was <laughs> going to stop me actually. Um, but look, as far as cricket is concerned, I was up early on Sunday morning watching the T Twenty World Cup in my hotel room here in York. I watched it all, saw the guys with the armbands on. But at heart, I, I love test cricket. You know, that's my love. You know, I, I completely think that uh, that is the way that the game needs to go forward. I, I, I've accepted T20 cricket at first. wasn't so bad about it, but I'm, I love it now. I love the skills um, set that's required for it. But in reality, what I love is test cricket, the five-day game, the purest form and everything that goes with it, you know. And that's why my one of my favourite players, you know, is Alistair Cook in the modern game, you know, and something about Alistair Cook I love. I know he's retired now, he's still playing down at Essex, but I love the way that he was nothing to do with social media. He had no idea about, about any of that sort of stuff. He was someone who just wanted to bat long, bat big and make daddy hundreds, as uh, as uh, Graham Gooch always said. So yeah. I'm admiring, a bit of a throwback, wasn't he, when you think about it, but that's something I liked about him. You know, I, I didn't need him sort of playing every shot. I just liked him to bat all day for, for England. That's what I loved about him. Yeah. All right, Neil, we'll let you crack on because uh, you are in the middle of uh, duties up at uh, the Barbican. Yeah. But uh, many thanks for joining us. Um, and, thank you. Um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, now very, very, very uh, lovely to hear your thoughts on the game and indeed on uh, on David English as well. He'll be, he'll yeah. be sadly missed. It, really sad loss. A, a truly wonderful man. If ever you knew him, anyone that did would know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Neil Foles, uh, snooker and cricket extraordinaire. Um, thanks a lot for your time and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to 98 Not Out, the cricket podcast. 
Please subscribe to the show in your podcast app to make sure you see the new episode each week as it appears in your feed. And if you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help us introduce the show to even more people. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you on the next episode.